a series. In fact, we're really coming off of a season where it's been what we would consider like an equipping season. If you remember back, and if not, you can kind of go back and listen to these things. But we came off of a series where we became really aware of this, what we called the land between. It's this land of struggle. It's this land of uncertainty. And so we kind of came out of that with great hope. We came out of that feeling good about who God is and where he's taking us. And so we decided to go straight from that series into a series where we could get reacquainted with the Word, where we could get reacquainted with the Bible. For some of us, we've never read the Bible from cover to cover. For some of us, it's been a long time since we've cracked the cover. For some of us, we, we try to get into it regularly. And so we said that the Bible is relevant and it's fresh, and it's important, and it brings about something within us that allows us to live differently on the outside. And so we talked about the importance. And so what we're hoping is that you have begun to establish some rhythms. We gave you three things last week as we kind of tied that series up. We wanted you to carve out some time. We wanted you to find a place, a place that is specific, where maybe you don't do anything else in that place except spend some time in the Word. And then we wanted to give you a plan, and hopefully this week, you pulled up on the website and said, okay, I'm, I'm finishing up my 30-day challenge. Where do I go from here? Maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year, but we wanted you to get a plan. And what we're hoping is beginning to happen in your life is that you're beginning to feel some new rhythms and producing maybe some different fruit. We're hoping that what is beginning to happen as you are spending time reading through, you're going, man, this stuff's really good. It's almost as if it was written for me at this time, in this moment, dealing with what it is I'm dealing with. The Word of God works that way. And so we hope what is beginning to happen is that you're seeing benefits. Maybe you're starting to feel some transformation. Wow, I'm more patient. Or maybe I don't see things quite as annoying as I, as I used to. And I'm looking forward to, to, to Mondays like I, I, I didn't before. And you're starting to feel some of these transformations formative things that can happen, and it happens when we begin to do that. And so here's where we're going. In a couple of weeks, we want to kind of flip the coin, if you will, on this communication thing. We're letting God speak to us through the Word. Now we're going to flip the coin and begin to say, okay, how is it that we can pray? And so two weeks from now, we're going to start a series on prayer where we're going to look through the Lord's Prayer. And so the goal is this, and I tell you all that to tell you, here's where we're trying to go this spring. The goal is that when we begin to put these things together, when we begin to combine these things regularly, reading of God's Word and, and viewing it as, as valuable and important and relevant, and then we begin to, to learn to speak truths, and we begin to learn speaking in a way that God is honored by, but also where we can kind of begin to vent, if we will, or we can begin to, to, to request, if we will, in these land-betweens, what happens is we begin to hear and experience the very heart of God. And we begin to, to chase after God. And we begin to chase after the heart that is revealed to us through communication. We begin to chase after those things. And what we begin to experience then is that the world that we live in is different because I am different. And now all of a sudden, I can begin creating a world where God is doing some amazing things, where what happens in the world is shaped by the way I view God and therefore the way I begin to view the world. So hopefully, as we begin to understand and we begin to practice these things, it's going to leave us at a place where we become rooted. A few years ago, Lori and I, we, uh, we were planning or we wanting to plant some some 
uh, some shrubs and do some landscaping around our house. In fact, the, the story I'm about to tell you is part of the reason we sold our house and moved into a condo because we just we can't do this sort of stuff. We were bad, bad landscapers. But we had what was called box shrubs. Anybody, everybody, everybody kind of, they're kind of these little furry bushes, and, and if you let them grow, they get way out of control really quick. But whoever originally planted these decided that the best place to plant these at our old house was as close to the driveway as possible. So here's what would happen. When you parked, you would open the passenger door and guess where your door would immediately hit? In those bushes. So after scratching the side of my truck for about a year, we said, you know what, we're going to move these bushes. Well, I did a little research on it and figured out that you can actually move those bushes and they survive at a really high rate unless you're Lori and I. And so we decided that what we would do is we would dig those shrubs up because we thought, you know, they would look great. We had two windows in the front of the house. We'll kind of, that'll be kind of the anchor pieces, and then we'll do some stuff around them because they were really pretty and nice and healthy bushes. And so I thought that would be an easy task. So I go out one Saturday morning, and I, I take a shovel, and I begin to dig. And so I pull. Nothing's happening. So I dig a little more, a little deeper, a little, little wider. Nothing happens. So I, I, I dig and dig and dig and to the point where I can actually like kind of get down in the hole now, and there's nothing happening. Okay, now I'm two and a half hours in. It's hot. It's sweaty. I said, I've had enough. But what I do have, I have a four-wheel drive truck. And so I decided I was going to take a tow strap and put it at the base of this, this shrub. I was going to hook the other end of the tow strap to the ball of my truck, and I was going to gently nudge it out of the ground, Right? So I, I, I kind of hit, hit the gas, and nothing's really happening. Well, then I get even more frustrated, and I said, it's it. I don't care if this bush dies. I don't care what happens to this bush. I'm over this bush. And so when I hit the gas, it comes up out of the ground. So I get out of the truck. I go, and what I, I can only describe to you, a bush that's about this big has a root ball that I can't get my arms around. And I'm going, well, it's no wonder I couldn't get it out of the ground with a shovel. And so the hole that it left... I could literally get down in this hole. It was amazing. And so we, we ended up replanting the bushes, and they survived. And so there's my success story. But here's, here's what I think of when I think of that. I wonder how much our life mirrors that or doesn't mirror that. That box shrub, its strength, its grippability, its life even, was primarily found below the surface. Below the surface is where its strength was found. And what I, I began to see in my own life, and I wonder how much of us, how much this applies to some of us. How much of our life do we just live at the surface? And we really don't pay attention in, to the underneath until something catastrophic happens. Or we begin to become fully aware of what is happening underneath the surface when some breakdown begins to happen. Or when we're not experiencing growth and when we have these moments of frustration and aggravation, all of a sudden we begin to peer under the surface and what we see is that, you know what, it's pretty shallow in some areas. I wonder how many of us, and I've had moments like this in my life where even my relationship with church, my relationship with Jesus even, is very surface. And the reason that I know this in my own life is because what happens is something happens in my life and sometimes it can be minor, sometimes it's major, and very quickly, I'm uprooted. Hard times come. We lose a job. We don't get a promotion. Uprooted. 
There, there's moments where a better offer comes along. Man, we're getting, we're getting in rhythm. We're starting to get a little connectivity into church, and all of a sudden we've got some friends or some coworkers or some family or some peer group that has a better offer. And you, you get to that place where you go, wow, I haven't been back. I haven't done anything spiritually. I haven't tried to maneuver myself spiritually in six months because a better offer came along. We quickly uproot. Maybe what happens is then we find ourselves in a toxic relationship where we're chasing the wrong kind of love. And you go, man, I don't really want to know what happened. I used to be on fire for Jesus, and I used to really be working on my spiritual life. And then I met so-and-so, and, and, you know, it just kind of was a slow drift. But I found myself now in a place where not only am I not pursuing, I'm in a really toxic relationship where I'm pursuing the wrong things, and I'm uprooted. The boss comes in and says, hey, Gonna need you to kind of scramble the books a little bit. It's not a big deal. It's not a, you know, no, no, no major deal here. But it requires you to maybe just turn a blind eye. And because our roots are shallow, we're uprooted. We get a phone call. Tragedy hits. Illness comes, and suddenly we, out of sheer panic, we doubt everything that we think and we, we that we thought we knew, and, and we find our place where we're just uprooted. We get two years down the road, and you go, well, you know what? I really haven't cared about anything in quite a while. Apathy is set in. I'm just kind of going through the motions, and I'm uprooted. See, the point is this. Where and how we set our roots matter. You know, most botanists will tell you that about 70%, 75% of a plant's activity doesn't happen at the surface. It happens below the surface, in the root systems. In the root, it does more than just drink. It grips, it holds. And in these moments when wind kicks up and storms come in, see, what we're doing is we're setting roots. And, and that whole series about getting back acquainted with the text and the next series on prayer, those, these are root things because we want to begin to be rooted. And Paul knew this. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend two weeks looking at a Paul prayer. We're going to look in Ephesians. And if you're not familiar with Ephesians, it's a letter. It's a letter that he wrote to a church. And he says, listen, I want to, you to experience Jesus at more than just a surface level. And I'm going to pray this prayer in such a way where you can, you can get down underneath and you can begin to experience a deeper relationship and so this prayer is found in Ephesians chapter 3. Let me give you a little background. Ephesus was this little city that Paul was ministering to, and he had planted a church there. And the book or, or the letter was, was not written. See, some, some letters he wrote to address specific issues. Ephesians, he's not really addressing a particular issue. What he's trying to do, and hopefully uh, he's trying to do, is he's going to expand the reader's knowledge of who God is. And he's going to give them a glimpse of their divine purpose, both individually and collectively. So right in the middle of this, we encounter a prayer where he says, I'm going to pray something for you. I'm going to pray about you. I'm going to pray something over you that you will begin to experience this deeper, below-the-surface experience of God's fullness. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to kind of just work through a couple things this morning. We'll pick up where we leave off. And, uh, but listen to this, starting in verse 14, I'm going to put it on the screen. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. And then here's the prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, 
He may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how high and how or how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is and that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Here's what I hope you notice right out of the gate. First, what we see is there's a couple of peripheral things. There's outlying aspects that sets up the initial growth that we long for, the initial growth that he's hoping begins to deepen our relationships that goes to work underneath the surface, that begins, re, begins this rooting process. So what he does right out of the gate, he says, let me kind of open up the ground, if you will, so that you can begin to position yourself to be rooted. Position yourself for those deep roots. Look at verse 14. He says, verse, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. What I want you to notice right out of the gate before you ever get to a place where you begin working on these aspects of, of, of what he's going to reveal, these requests, first it starts with a posture. It starts with a posture. He says, when I kneel, when I get to this place that is deeply emotional, where I begin to get to this place where I'm, I'm, I'm both physically and I'm spiritually, I'm emotionally investing in this. He says, it is a place of humility. He says, I kneel. It's a place where I come to God saying, listen, God, without you, without, without what it is I'm going to pray for, if you don't come through with these things, I'm not sure that I can, I can make anything happen on my own. And so I, the best way I know to do this, God, is, is I'm, going to, I'm going to kneel. I'm going to put myself in a posture, and maybe this is the starting place for some of us. When's the last time we've kind of shut the door and said, okay, God, I'm just going to kind of kneel here. I'm going to lay it out. I'm going to come to you in humility. I'm going to come to you asking and begging for deep emotional, spiritual investment. He's saying, when I do this, I begin to open myself up in a way where God can begin to work. And so it starts maybe with a posture. He says, but you need to understand that that the posture has to be a, a, a humble posture. Then he moves us quickly from there to a position. He says, in order for you to begin to experience the growth that God has in store for you, it's going to start with a posture where you go, listen, I can't do this on my own, so I'm going to kind of kneel. I'm going to put myself at God's mercy. I'm going to put myself at God's way of doing things. And and then he kind of transitions that to saying, listen, you need to also understand the position that you have been put in. Look what he says. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He says, let me tell you about your position. He says, the posture is going to be humility, but the position is this. You are family. Now, before we get into what I'm going to pray on the request side of things, he's looking at a group of people who's new to this, who's new to following Jesus. And he says, listen, as long as you will stay humble and as long as you will remember You are family. See, realizing that your family has great bearing on how it is that we go forward. See, you're you're valuable. And you're valuable not because of what you bring to the table. 
You're valuable. You are worth something, not because of of you having a Christian pedigree because these people didn't have a pedigree. He says, no, no, he says, you're valuable because the Father has claimed you, has put you into the position of son and daughter. He says, your family, every family derives its name. God considers you family. Now, that's important because here's what happens. He says, when, when we come to the Father with humility, but also with this deep sense of family and belonging, when you view yourself as valuable, and, and can we be honest, sometimes that's why we don't approach God and ask boldly for some of the things that Paul asked for is because we go, I've kind of blown it. I don't, I don't really feel that. Va- I've kind of, you know, the ship has sailed. I, I don't really, you know, know if God has any time or space left for me. And he says, let's just do away with that. Come, kneel, be humble, but realize that God has put you there. And it's those kinds of things that allow us to launch into what it is that Paul prays for. Listen to what he prays for, for these people and for you and I. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Right out of the gate, he says, here's what I want for you. In order for us to take that next step of growth, as we are beginning to be acquainted with God and who he is and what he has for us in our life, I'm going to pray strength for you. Guys, can we be honest? We do a really good job of acting strong. But if we're really honest at a gut level and be really vulnerable, can't we all use some strength from time to time? These moments when you go, listen, I don't have anything left. And we have to muster up everything within us so that when somebody asks the question, how's life, we can look at a surface level and go, what? It's good, but it's not. And there are moments where we just get beat down. And Paul says, I know those things are going to come. I I get the ebbs and flows of life. I get that there are going to be some really good moments, and I know there's going to be some tough moments. And he says, listen, I pray that, 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 that you get strength from a place that you can't find any other place. He says, I pray that you experience strength, and look at the kind of strength that he prays for. He says that that is full of power because it takes root, he says, from the spirit of our inner being. He says, it's not something on the surface. This is something deep within you. It's not, it's not putting on a face. It's not acting strong. He says, no, I want you to have real strength. Strength that's going to come through his spirit into an inner place, that inner, that's this place that only the spirit can find that only the Spirit can get to. And I love that he says that it's out of his glorious riches. He says it's, it's never going to run thin. My strength runs thin. My, my, my tank gets on empty. I get tired of fighting certain things and certain things in my life that seems to hold me back. He says, listen, God is going to provide this out of his glorious riches. He says there's plenty to go around. And here's what we need to know about this is that this is the strength that produces, that, 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 that manifests itself in confidence and courage. It eradicates fear. So let me just ask, what would you do? What would you do if God suddenly began to infuse in you, through his spirit, in your deepest inner being, in these rooted places below the surface, what would you do if you just felt a little more confident than what you feel right now? If doubt took a, a back seat for just a second, 
if somehow you had the courage to take a step in a direction that you, you know would probably be good for you, you even feel it in your inner being, but I simply just don't have the courage to take that step. I don't have the confidence because of all the things that I dragged to the, to the surface. What if God began to infuse you with something where all of a sudden it eradicates doubt, it eradicates fear, and what you're left with is a more confident you? And Paul says, that's what I want you to experience. And so I'm going to pray that for you, that in these moments when you're developing and beginning or continuing your faith walk, I want you to experience a strength, something that is strong, something that is rooted. And then he couples that with a few things. Look what he says in verse 17. He says, not only do I want you to to feel this strength that's going to come from the Spirit through the inner being, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. He says, I want you to experience God kind of love. I want you to, to be made strong, but also need you to experience love because this is going to shape the way you move and navigate life. What we need to know about this is that he's talking about a different brand of love. It's not our brand of love. It's not the love that we typically kind of seek and give out. See, ours can be really self-centered at times. Our love, it can come and go. I can be in love with this, and then all of a sudden something distracts me, and then I'm in love with that. It, it, It changes on a whim. It can even disappear over time. You've experienced this, right? Man, I used to love this, and I just don't anymore. I used to love you, and I don't anymore. See, our love changes sometimes. It can be a vapor. It can be here, and it's strong, and you feel it. You can sense it, and all of a sudden, you get two months, two years, 20 years down the road, and it disappears, and he says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He says, I'm talking, I want you to experience. I want you to be rooted and established in a different kind of love. A love that doesn't change, a God kind of of love, it doesn't fail, it remains steady, it remains firm. And he says, when you begin to experience this kind of love, you will begin to distribute a different kind of love. You'll begin to dole out some things. He says, I'm not not praying that you just experience this and kind of box it up for yourself. He says, no, I'm experiencing this, and we'll get to this next week. He says, I'm experienced, I'm going to pray this experience on you so that you can begin to go and do something differently with it. He prays that, listen, I want you to become rooted and established. He uses two different phrases that means one similar thing. He says, let me use an agricultural world. He's he's talking to some people that, a lot of farmers, a lot of people that probably worked hillsides planting certain things, and they had to pay attention to the roots in order for things not to shift. He says, "Let let me tell you, for you agricultural people, he says, I want you to be rooted in that. I don't want it to be shallow. I don't want it to be rocky. I don't want it to be on on shallow ground. I want it to be solid in the ground. And then he says, okay, for you builders, let me use an architectural word. He says, let me use established. He says, something that is stable, that doesn't easily collapse. He says, that's what I want. I want you to be rooted in those things. And here's the the point. We're rooted in something. We know what it means to set roots in certain things. He says, but I want you to set roots in the right things. I want you to spend time not finding roots and value and stability and security in these things. I want you to be rooted in the love that doesn't fail. I want you to be rooted in a love that doesn't change and shift. He says, when you you become rooted and established in that kind of love, he says, here's what's going to happen. You're going to begin to understand and grasp how good God is. 
You're going to grasp how this has great effect on your life. Listen to the whole statement. Listen to what he says. He says that, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. And here it is. So that when we begin to experience that love, then you begin to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. See, when we seek to be rooted and established in God's love, we put ourselves in a position where we're able to grasp something even deeper, something stronger, something under the surface. We're now in an optimum place where we can begin to grasp some pretty tremendous things about God. More than just knowing something, but deeply affected by it, impacts where we live. And these things begin to to, to both uh, make us better people, and it makes people around us better. Guys, these are game-changing things that I'm about to reveal, that Paul reveals and prays for. These are things that will not only up your self-value and your self-worth and your self-esteem, but it will begin to affect how you see people and how you treat people. And he says, I want you to experience that kind of love so that you can begin to grasp four little things about that kind of love, about the heart of God as he is revealing it to you and through you. And these four things, he says, here's what I want. I want you to experience the love so that you begin to fully understand how wide and how long and how high and how deep. And if we're not careful, we read this text and we just blow right by that. And there's some really game-changing things that are revealed in these four four four-letter words. What he's saying, he said, I want you to experience something that is immeasurable, fully encompassing, and something that you cannot get away from, something you can't outrun, and something you can't be found beyond. Do you get that? He says, you're going to begin to see God's heart in a way, and you're going to begin to experience his love in such a way that you can't measure it, you can't run past it. It's a place where God looks down and you're not found within the, the, the area, the spectrum of it. He said it's all-encompassing. It's simple terms that have a massive impact. Look at this. He says, I want you to experience how wide God's love is. And here's here's what he's saying. Guys, this is wide enough to encompass everyone. Can we be honest? My love's not wide enough to always encompass everyone. My love sometimes narrows up. My, my, My love, as much as I would like to say, is wide, is not always wide. And I love that he starts here. Because I think he knew that the tendency sometimes... For Jesus' followers was to tighten up, was to, to, to narrow it up, where we began to, to have stipulations, and we began to navigate life saying, well, you're close. And, and, and Paul says, no, no, I'm going to pray that you experience God's love in such a way where your you're, you're arms wide open with people. And so you began to understand that, that not only do I fit into this with, 
that suddenly the people in the world that I view sometimes not worthy, that I view too far gone, that I think, well, you're close, but you're a little too wide. He goes, no, what if we begin to, to operate life with a view of God's love that allows us to extend our view of how we see and treat people? He says, that's what I'm talking about. He says, don't narrow the on-ramp. Know that God's love is wide. And then he says, it's long It doesn't run out. He said it's long enough to last for eternity. It doesn't expire. It doesn't come up short. He says this is a long love. You can't measure how long this love is. Not only can you not measure how wide it goes, but he says it's going to go long, and then he says it's going to go high, high enough to reach beyond time, high enough to reach into the heavens. And then I love the last one that he puts to it. He says not only is it all those things, he says I want you to experience a love that is wide enough to encompass everyone, that is long enough that, that will we'll gather in the rest of time, that, that will reach into the highest places, but it's deep enough to get into the lowest places. It's deep enough to reach down to the, to the deepest spots of darkness, into the, to the lives of, of those big sinners. And I got to imagine, this is the point, when Paul says, this is my story. See, if you don't know anything about Paul, what you need to realize is that Paul wasn't always the faithful follower of Jesus that we find as he writes these letters to churches and as he's on the road establishing these churches. See, Paul used to have another name. His name was Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of the church. Paul was that guy who enjoyed nothing more in life than disrupting what Jesus' disciples was trying to do in the name of love and grace and tolerance and mercy. He would go as far as to seek legal action in order to be able to execute and to be able to, to punish and be able to separate families and be able to drive out people from their homelands. That's Paul's story. But because he experienced just how deep the love of God is, he begins to be transformed and he spends the rest of his time. He says, listen, this is my story. It's going to be some of your stories. And so for some of you, what you need to hear is this. You need to hear that God's love is wide. And God's love is long. And God's love is, is, is high. And God's love is deep. And you can't be found outside of the sphere of these things. He says, and you're going to experience this, and when you do, it's going to bring with it great power for you individually. But look what also he says. He says, together with all of the Lord's holy people, he says, you're going to begin to experience it collectively. Can I just, guys, can you imagine if the church became a movement like that? We want to know what it takes to change the demographic, the spirit, the heartbeat of Goodlettsville, Hendersonville, Gallatin, White House. It's going to take us experiencing this love and then distributing this love. Guys, it's not going to be fancy programs. It's not going to be bang up worship service. It's going to be these moments when we begin to walk into our community and when people say, well, I don't have time for you and you don't have time for me, I've heard it from you Christian people, but have you experienced how wide God's love is? Have you experienced how long and how high 
and how deep his love is. And because I've experienced those things, I'm going to extend those things. Yeah, but don't you, I mean, and they kind of fill in a blank. Don't, don't, don't Christians hate? No. Mm-mm. Well, what about? No. Because I'm experiencing God's love in ways that I didn't think was measurable, but I'm beginning to feel and sense these things. And when we become individuals who collectively make up a church that walks into our community and begins to do those kinds of things, God's going to take over and God's going to do what God's going to do. And he changes cultures. He changes families. He changes cities. Not based on how right we get something or are we flashing, do we look good? No, he bases change on loving people. And Paul says, that's what I want you to experience. I want you to experience this strength. It's going to come from a place that you can't muster, you can't find, because it's going to be provided through the Spirit into your inner being. And then what's going to happen is you're going to begin to transform in such a way where you begin to experience this love of God that is unlike anything you've ever felt. And then he kind of ends this as we end. We're going to pick up with the rest of this. Paul says, listen, I know what you're thinking. This sounds too good to be true. That I can, I can be found in the midst of a love that I can't outrun, that I can't be outside of, that I can't get far enough away, that's deep enough to even take my deepest, darkest secrets and still bring them to a, a place at the table where I'm considered family. That seems too good to be true. And then he says, no, no, you don't have to second guess this. He says, to know this love that even surpasses knowledge. See, no is a little different than grass. I'm trying to grasp something, but he says, no, no, you can know this. You can have full confidence in this. And it seems a little funny that Paul's praying that we can know something, then he follows it up with that's really kind of unknowable. What he's actually saying here, literally, he's saying it, it, it's going to seem like it's thrown beyond you. Best way I know to describe this, it would be like catching a home run from shortstop. Used to play softball with this guy that could hit a ball farther than anybody I've ever seen hit a softball. 400, 425, I mean, this dude could crush over tops of trees. And Paul says, what if you could catch his home run from shortstop? He said, I don't know how it's going to happen. I can't always give you the exact, you know, recipe to this. But he says, there's going to be things that when his spirit begins to work with you in your inner being, he says, it's going to be like catching a home run. He says, you can know that which is unknowable. He says, let me put it to you a different way. He says, it might be beyond human knowledge at the moment, but it will not be beyond, beyond human experience. And there are things, he says, that we may not know about God, but there are going to be moments because we've set our roots deep. And we've set our roots in a place where they are established. There will be moments where experience will become knowledge. When you experience the love of God, when you experience this strength, he says those are the things that even though they surpass knowledge at the moment, they're going to be things that you experience where you can begin to know the heart of God. Guys, there's really good stuff here. And when we begin to allow those things to take root in us, when we begin to live in strength and live in this rooted love, and it's not over, there's two other really good things next week. Life begins to happen at a different pace. And people begin to change. People that we thought were never going to change and we thought ourselves could never change. We begin to experience those things a little differently. If you will, stand with me.
I pray that this week you begin to experience strength in some new ways and that you begin to understand the exact value that God has placed on who you are. And you begin to experience this in a way where you begin to say, wow, I thought I was too far, too long, too high, but I'm not. That I can be in the middle, the recipient of, and live by, and be changed by the love of God. And so that's my prayer for you this morning, is that we will begin to experience, and that as we begin to experience, we will begin to distribute into our communities, into our families, into our workplaces, this amazing prayer. Father, this morning, as we kind of end I just pray that you will empower us with things that are beyond our abilities to grasp. They're beyond our abilities to find. They're beyond our capacity to muster up on our own. And so, God, we're going to lay, we're going to kneel. We're going we're to take comfort and confidence in knowing that we're family. And then, God, we're just going to ask that you give us the strength to survive whatever moment, that, that, that we, to survive something that's coming up, to survive a bad test result, to survive whatever it is that God is, is, is burdening us in life, that, God, you would give us strength that will come through your spirit in our inner being, but, God, that we will also be and know and feel that we are loved, that we are a recipient of love, not because we've got it all together, not because of, of anything other than who you are. And, God, when we begin to grasp that, God, I pray that we begin to change the world one person at a time in the way that we distribute that. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for making that over and over and over abundantly clear. Father, let us live into that. Let us step into that. We pray this through your son's name. Amen.